Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. Hello, welcome to the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey with the Arts Commission, and this is the Arts Commission's weekly turn at the microphone here at MPB. Uh, We're here with our producer, Kevin Farrell, in the studio, and today we're going to be talking about uh, the literary life as well as some music with our return guest, Mr. Tyler Keith of Oxford. Tyler, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back. Yes, we just re- we were re- recounting that Tyler was with us on the Arts Hour 10 years ago, yes. uh, talking about one of your earlier solo albums, I believe. That's right, yeah. And for those who don't know, Tyler is a musician, a songwriter, a band leader based out of Oxford. He's put many records out over the years. What are some of the groups that um, people would know you from? Uh, My first, uh, I had a band called The Neckbones. I was in uh, in the 90s. And uh, in the 2000s, I had a band called The Preacher's Kids. And uh, now I have a band called uh, The Apostles. And I'm also in a band called Teardrop City with... uh, Laurie Sturrett and uh, George Sheldon, Van, Van Thompson. Laurie is uh, in one of the legendary uh, Mississippi bands, Blue Mountain. Uh, and uh, George Sheldon was also in that band and now plays with a uh, uh, Kenny Brown band. So I had, that's the kind of the music I've got going on. Yeah, but we're not gonna we're gonna talk about your music in a little bit. But today right. it's got a whole new thing that you've just got. <laughs> you got a brand new new book out called yes. Art. What's well, it's coming out in November called The Mark of Cain. It's That's a right. Southern noir novel that you've put together. That's right. Um, so people know you as a musician. Let let's let's dig into this. When did you uh, you know get the notion to become a writer and 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 work on a book? Well, I started writing stories and stuff a little bit in high school. I didn't really know what I was doing, but uh, I uh, my sister sent me. I went to a kind of a religious school. That they basically had their own system of banned books that you know were actually. Uh, I, I didn't have that great of an interest in literature too much. Um, I think it was partially due to that fact. Although my mother was a mom was a big reader and always had a stocked shelf of great literature, but my sister sent me um, three books from college. Um, I was in like eleventh grade or tenth grade. It was Slaughterhouse Five, On the Road, and The Stranger, and like that kind of uh, you know started everything for him i guess did you have any preconceived notion of what these were before she sent them or was it just total new discovery it was um i had maybe heard of some of it but it was a complete new discovery and the joy of reading you know like um uh and uh on the road it was kind of like you know like teenagers for you know uh it, it really uh sparked my imagination you know and uh but um, so that was kind of the start of it. And also my brother and sister both attended Mississippi College um, in Clinton here. And uh, 
after those books, um, I got a. She sent me a copy of uh, um, Geronimo Rex by Barry Hanna, and he who had attended. Uh, Mississippi College and um, yeah, so, and a native of Clinton as well. A native yeah. of Clinton, yeah. yeah. And uh, that that book really uh, was powerful to me. You know, it was such, such a kind of a wild, great, you know. And so I also attended two years at Mississippi College, and um, at that time I, I was sort of more interested in uh, you know experiencing life than actual college work let's put it that way but uh so and i was uh, running cross country and track there which uh again i was more interested in the you know experiencing which means you know beer and stuff like that <laughs> yeah which right made it a little more challenging to be a college athlete but uh you know, i was away from home and uh first time there was a lot of really smart people at the school a lot of big readers and and things like that so you know that and try to do a little writing there but um like i said school wasn't my main focus then but my sister transferred to old miss and i knew um barry hannah was teaching there and uh so i transferred over there and i was living there in the summers actually with my sister um, the summer of '89, when I first it was when I first got there, and uh, so and I was playing some guitar and stuff, but I hadn't really been in any bands yet, and um, you know wanted to do some writing. I, I had very little confidence in anything. I didn't know what I was doing or anything, uh, but um, so I was kind of doing some a lot of really bad poetry, beat poetry type things. That I'm sure a lot of college age kids. Do. Yeah, I think you're allowed at that age to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, I uh, that was kind of I was already doing some, but you know, kind of just doing it in the dark. And then um, I came to Ole Miss, and uh, Barry Hannah was teaching. A, some short story classes there and I took the undergraduate and then he um let me take the graduate class and um I was also living right next door to him at that time oh wow so that was interesting uh and I became friends and stuff and I you know um but I also met um there Paul Tucker which I know is a friend of yours and he was uh started playing in his band the sky pilots and uh he taught me a lot of, about music and a lot of books and stuff but uh it was bruce watson in the sky pilots as well bruce watson was in a version of it yeah, i think okay. there was about 20 members by the end of it. we okay. had like 12 drummers and uh, all right it was one of those but, <laughs> yeah. out. okay but it was i learned a lot you know and um i in uh hannah's class i learned a lot a lot about writing short stories and sort of about uh you know just some basic skills and uh you know i i don't want it to sound like he was like uh you know my extreme mentor or anything but i you know i, I was always really um just turned on to his style and his his writings you know from 
first time I was exposed to it. And he's also a, he was a, a big rock and roll fan, you know, and uh, we discussed that a lot. And, and when I started in uh, the band The Neck Bones and started writing songs, uh, he sort of warned me, like, you're going to have to make a choice between, you know, writing stories and stuff, literature or whatever, fiction, and, and songs. And he was right about that. I, I became kind of obsessed with songwriting and uh, I kind of took the place of a lot of a lot of the um, fiction stuff. But I did, I you know, I kept writing stories and things like that, but a lot of unfinished things, you know. Yeah. So... You're listening to the Arts Hour, and our guest today is Tyler Keith, a musician from Oxford, but also now a newly published writer. His book, The Mark of Cain, is coming out in November, and it'll be in stores very soon. Um, so you've stayed you stayed in Oxford, and I'm just curious about, of course, Barry Hanna, what a huge early on kind of voice to have in your head, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about kind of the broader kind of literary community there in Oxford? Did that... Did that um, kind of encourage you, or was it like, God, these people are so, you know, kind of like if this is, you know, it was too much to try to take in, you know, the the the, the what the skills that they were putting into it. And that? it was encouraging, but it was also, yeah, it was a little um, intimidating, you know. Um, but also, another um, great writer and influence was Larry Brown that, in Oxford, and. Uh, when I first sort of knew of him and met him, like uh, he was just such a normal person. If you met him, like at a bar or something, you sat next to him, you would have no idea that uh, he was such a talented writer and such a special, creative person, you know. And uh, so, and and learning about him and his. Uh, just the way he taught himself to write and the years of struggle, you know, was, uh, was inspiring. But uh, at the time, I was sort of in the period of obsessive songwriting, but uh, it's always been such a special place for creative people, especially writers. And uh, I've been friendly with... Uh, many writers there and st- still am and uh so it, it was it was uh something that was always in in my mind you know um and uh as i said i i did a lot of writing kind of in secret and things like that you know but uh and then um at some point um uh, i was working at a place um uh, a uh, restaurant that went out of business and uh i i heard a quote from the writer robert stone uh unemployment is the poor man's guggenheim so <laughs> i kind of took that to heart and i was like I'm, I'm just gonna work on some stuff for a while and uh i, st- I wrote like a, a a biker musical during that time which was kind oh, of right like, i remember that they yeah, staged it right we at, did stage it about yeah. 10 years ago or so yeah. maybe at the at the powerhouse at the in powerhouse. Oxford. Yeah, yeah, okay. I remember and, uh, reading about that. So that was kind of my first foray into uh, some other type of writing, and you know, I, I included songs in there. And uh, so, um, 
that kind of brought things together in terms of your musical side and the literary kind of into one yeah. bigger piece, right? Yeah, yeah. and um, that that was a kind of the beginning of uh, really getting back into uh, and I, some sort of realizations of your career limitations by the time you're, you know, 40 years old. It's like, I'm not going to go sleep on people's couches and like uh, the music was had become something else in a way that was like I, I don't know and I also I made a, a lot of records by that point and sort of reached a uh, I wouldn't say I was b bored with it but it, it was the, the limitations of uh, uh, just kind of saying what you want to say and, uh, you know, I'm a one, four, five kind of guitar. You know, I, I like uh, 50s and 60s music. You know, I I was kind of had done a lot of what I wanted to do and said a lot of things. And uh, the obsession had sort of died down with, and it had become also become more of a skill than... Um, you know, something that was just, I had to think about 24 hours a day, you know. But I learned a lot of lessons from from being an obsessive songwriter. I did a lot of, uh, I worked on it a lot. I did a lot of uh, recording at home and uh, a lot of the time that goes into it, uh, I transfer. I was able to sort of transfer into um, fiction in a way because it's sort of the, I guess you would say the discipline side of it. Um, you know, although um, another thing I learned from Barry Hanna was he explained a few times that he was he was not a person that was like going to wake up every morning at 5 a.m. and write if he didn't have anything to do you know it wasn't just going to magically appear on the page for him which was important for me too because I needed a focus uh, in a way just the sitting down and like I'm going to just start a novel without any preparation or anything just always seemed very intimidating you know yeah. and uh, sort of learning that you could go with your uh inspirations and uh you know could work out ideas more than necessarily but for some people i know that they it works that way they they every day they no matter what they and, and that's uh i've always admired that but um i'm sort of more obsessive once an idea begins i can i don't have to wor work on it just at that time and it's kind of i sort of learned with songs your subconscious will work on things when you're not present doing it and uh i found that to carry over into uh you know fiction yeah this is larry morrissey thanks for listening to the podcast version of the mississippi arts hour the show is broadcast on mpb statewide radio network on sundays at 5 p.m for access to all our past shows please subscribe to the arts hour on your favorite podcasting app
I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. The first question that we get when someone comes in is, how is the Ulysses S. Grant Presidential Library in Mississippi? Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. We have every letter Grant ever wrote and every letter ever written to him. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app, Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. We're back on the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey, and our guest today is Tyler Keith, musician from Oxford, but now also published author with his new book, The Mark of Cain, that's coming out, A Southern Noir. Tyler, so this book is... uh, uh, You've been in Mississippi a long time, but this is set in your kind of home territory of the Florida Panhandle. Why'd you, why'd you choose the Florida Panhandle for the setting? Well, I, um, I'm a seventh generation Floridian from a particular from the Panhandle, and uh, I, like I said, I came up here for college. You sort of, it's hard to embrace the culture that you come from a lot of times when you're younger. And so I sort of just had put away Florida and then Mississippi had such obvious culture as far as blues and a lot of writers and so forth. So um, I actually went back and got a master's degree in Southern studies and I did uh, my project on the panhandle, I did my thesis on the panhandle. So I had been there to visit a, a lot, and I um, met a lot of people there, and I learned a lot about. And there there have been a lot of tales about um, my grandfather was from there and grandmother. So there was a lot of family lore about um, the area, and uh, just really interested in sort of delving into, um, you know, the that part of my past, I guess, the fam- family history of, of that area. So that was sort of the genesis of, of that part of it. And, um, and, and, you know, to deal with something I, you know, kind of like growing up and, and you know, the family background, I wanted to sort of delve into that what do you think i mean thinking about in relation to the mississippi culture what are some of the distinctive elements of that that region in terms of its its culture and and what what stands out to you like that's distinctive from mississippi um well you know it's i think it's a little different as far as uh it, it, you don't have the big plantations and things like that. It was more almost like a frontier sort of type um, identity there, you know, in some ways. It, it was, you had a lot, you were kind of like either like a poor kind of dirt farming kind of Christian type, and uh, or you, there was, or you were kind of an outlaw in a way and it's kind of like a lot of scottish background there so you had a lot of clan clanish type of activity in a way as well and i'd had some relatives in the past sort of marry and one of both sort of marrying into that and i was kind of interested in the dichotomy of uh families you know and then how that 
it, 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 it sort of comes out in someone like you have a history of, you know, both sides. <clears throat> yeah. And I was sort of interested in that and, and, and coming out in one character. Yeah, so your char- the main character Ron or Ronnie, I think people call different Harrison. Ronnie he's like Harrison, a former yes. ex, con- a convict who's just gotten out of jail, yeah, and gone back home to that area. What you know, talk about kind of that as your, what drew you to that type of character, and 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 he's also like you know, unlike someone, he's he's not like necessarily like. Would say like a good person. Like, <laughs> right. He's definitely conflicted, but he definitely. he's done bad, and he doesn't seem like he's whether he's going to do good or not is kind of unknown when you, you first meet him. Exactly. I, I sort of came from a, a very Calvinist background, you know, and always um, and religious background where it, it was almost. It was it, you just kind of you might have been the person that wasn't chosen. What what happens then? What if you're on the outside of you know? And uh, I was interested in that, and interested in uh, I'm sort of generally interested in people that are outside outsiders, and you know I think you know I thought a. Ex-convict person that wasn't a, a bad person necessarily, but made poor decisions a lot, and maybe when faced with the decision, was usually going to make the wrong one. And I was sort of interested that in that personally, and then also as a a fan of uh, noir fiction and things like that. I was sort of interested in that, and also. Um, I had a personal friend who had some issues and wound up in this halfway house. And it was, uh, you know, according to his stories that he related to me, it was uh, almost in a way it was you were still locked up. And, uh, you know, there was some people that were going to get out of that situation and make a better life. Or something, which was what the main character wants, and then there were people that were going to just make the wrong decisions again in some way, and and part of the reason that they would make the decisions was because they hadn't dealt with uh, some issues, issues, you know. And I wanted a character to be faced with the, these decisions, and maybe in the end. He he deals with the some of it, but it's already maybe you know it comes. Sometimes this kind of thing comes too late for people to get what they want exactly. But yeah, you know, I'm sort of interested in that uh, uh, angle of noir fiction in a way, you know, like uh, and uh, so I. I and I wanted to kind of think about that in the context of a, you know, sort of family history, you know, in a way, and like sort of the legacy of violence, and um, uh, how that is sometimes gets in the blood, and and its generations have to face. Um, 
the consequences of you know of things done earlier. I was interested in that. I guess. Yeah. You're listening. You're listening to the Arts Hour, and I'm Larry Morrissey talking with Tyler Keith about his new book, The Mark of Cain, a Southern Noir, out on is it Cool Dog Sounds? That's right. A publisher out of Water Valley that's worked with that's you right. on this. Um, and so you set this book in the mid 1980s. It's not a contemporary time period. What mm-hmm. What drew you to that? It's nice not to have cell phones to deal with, I guess, as <laughs> a writer, <true>. right? <laughs> yeah, and I was sort of interested in that era because um, it was. Uh, I felt like there's a lot of there's a a lot of things even as a country that we hadn't dealt with that became that you know politically speaking it, it was an interesting background uh time frame you know just uh with uh the rise of the drug war but also like just a, like uh kind of the rise of a just extreme capitalist culture in some way of like you know uh back in those times that's where you would see like someone with you know, dressed up and like, you know, poverty sucks posters and things like that, you know, and just, but also it was when you began to see the uh, kind of collapse of just cities and stuff. I don't know. It was kind of like that to me. It was, I wanted to sort of interested in that. Uh, it was kind of like the, in some ways, the death of the good old days too. And as far as in the book, you also had, you moved from moonshine, marijuana, and things like this that were the cash crop into, you know, cocaine and methamphetamine, too. It was so, it was kind of like a cultural shift in the the outlaw community, if that makes any sense. So I was interested in someone that was not, that had been away during the change, that sort of, and then come back and... You know, and and sort of the revving up of like, he was from the old times. He you was know? from the old even times, even though he's coming back from like the what late seventies into the early eighties. It was yeah. kind of like a new era. Yeah, it was a new era of of you know just and and even you know so it was kind of like this. I wanted a person that was in between that was caught in the, in this changing. A part of it had to do with my own being in my forties, and like I wanted someone that had was having a second chance in a way at something. And uh, so I was kind of interested. And I thought that was an interesting uh, time period for that, you know, like, uh, you know, before the or during the rise of, uh, uh, you know, Florida cocaine and things like that, where a lot of money, it was kind of a shift in, Sort of, I guess. Yeah. Talk um, talk a little more about the religion because that is such a big part. It's you know the character Ronnie is not religious himself, but comes from his father was a pre- he was he was in that kind of atmosphere of it, and in different points you see how he's been affected by it. Even though he's like I'm not religious anymore, but it just kind of like it's kind of like part of the. The breathe. It's part of the atmosphere or something of the of the region or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it is. You know, like I was saying before, there was kind of like two sides to a lot of these communities. You had a, a you know, a, this uh, 
religious side and, you know, kind of like you, I remember my grandfather saying, you know, when he was a child, you well, you couldn't laugh at the table. I mean, you know, it's like it was a stoicism in in in, in this in this religious communities sort of. And then on the other side of that, you had uh, you know outlaw communities because there there was a lot of exploitation of uh, you know there used to be the big longleaf pine there and like uh, you know once that was gone you had a, a, a lot of moonshine there because you had a, a river that runs through the area that's very clean right and goes right out to the gulf so um, you know and you had a lot of Scottish people who made whiskey and so I, I was kind of interested and my great grandfather was murdered in, in the area by and, and he was kind of from the, the the dirt farmer Christian side and married uh, my great grandmother from the other side uh, that was that were kind of outlaws, you know, and uh, and um, so I, and I, I was interested in that. What ha and it's almost like instead of like Cain and Abel, it's kind of like the sons of Cain and Abel in a way, like uh, you know. The main character's father had been a preacher, and then his uncle was, uh, you know, the the moonshiner kind of gangster type in a way. So I was interested in that, how that plays out in uh in in the children of that in a way, but I didn't really realize that till later that that was. But the but the I think <clears throat> the uh, religious element is always present in the south and especially in, in that area and uh, so I think it kind of flows through most you know people's uh, psyche whether right. they know it or not or I was they interested. choose it or not yeah. exactly yeah. And, and you know sort of yeah and uh, I, was, I was interested in that and, and the you know, I mean, I feel like a lot of, especially a lot of the Old Testament is almost, is very kind of, there's a lot of murder and crime in a way that I've always found uh, interesting. And then I've also, I don't know, something about the Calvinist thing, I always felt sympathetic towards some of the characters in the Bible that were more on the other side, like, you know, King Saul or something, or even, you know, I don't know. I mean, that sounds awful, but if you, if you have any Calvinist background and as a, a very young child, you, you're kind of racked with this guilt of like, or question of, of, have I done the right thing? Am I I'm in this elect, you know, and, uh, or damned for all time. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the whole mind-boggling discussions of like, well, if God knows everything, then he must have chosen people mm. that then he knew. And then, I, you know, at some point I was like, well, maybe I, I'm not. What if I wasn't chosen? I mean, <laughs> then what do you do? It's like, so I was interested in that, yeah. exploring that in some ways. Um <laughs> 
is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. We're back for our final segment uh, on the Arts Hour. We're talking with Tyler Keith about his new book, The Mark of Cain. Um, there's lots of um, interesting folks uh, who blurb this book. A lot of uh, Oxford folks, Michael Ferris-Smith, Ace Atkins, Lisa Holworth, uh, Chris D., which is really interesting, but um, who's not from Oxford. But I- I'm curious to hear about, it, it, you know, looking at your thank yous, your acknowledgments in the end of the book, kind of, the, the the literary community and kind of their support of you in this in in you know getting this book done and or getting it up and going and finished in that talk talk about kind of that support system for this project uh, yeah as uh, you mentioned earlier Oxford is just, is really has probably the highest concentration of extremely talented writers as any place on earth I would imagine for the size and I've been lucky enough to be friends with a lot of writers and when I was working on this book um, when I first actually began the book I lived next to a, a great writer uh, Jimmy Ty who's uh, was, we started we were sharing uh, stuff writing back and forth and he really helped me from the beginning and uh but then, and when I got a good um, a first draft, I, I you know I asked a few people. Ace Atkins was an early reader, and uh, he's a, been a good friend of mine, and he's a great writer, and uh, um, and works kind of in this area in terms of definitely style stylistically. Yeah, yeah, he's an amazing crime writer, and more than that. Uh, historical crime writer this is one of my favorite writers and a good friend and uh he read an early draft and uh it gave me a lot of encouragement and also a lot of detailed uh advice to basically expand the whole section of uh Holmes County and then uh Lisa Howarth also read early on and was very um, helpful and uh, extremely talented editor as well as great writer and friend and um, Melissa Ginsburg read read it for me and gave a lot of advice and my uh, Bram Rilbarger is a writer from. Uh, Athens, Ohio, and he he was so I I was extremely um, 
lucky. I mean, who gets to have yeah all these editors? All these, yeah, um, very talented people. Very yeah. talented people and writers, and especially Ace from being in the genre. You know, it was helpful and uh, just uh, and it's a lot to ask someone. You know, hey, will you read my manuscript? So yeah. I'm very thankful for that, and uh, I sent it around. At, you know, when I got a good. Got it where I wanted. I got. I did get some. I got some agents that were interested, and uh, you know, they eventually uh, several. They passed on it, and then coming from the DIY kind of punk rock thing, I was like, well, I'm just gonna put this out myself because I, I like it. Uh, you know, that's what you do in that world, and I. Um, Susan Lee has done a lot of graphic design work for basically all my records for the past two decades almost. So I sent it to her with some ideas about putting the cover together. And she's like, well, let, let me read it. And let, and I was like, well, Tim wants to read it. And they would just put out Tim's uh, great autobiography. I saw a dozen faces and rocked them all. Right, Tim the, uh, Lee, who's a Tim Lee, who was the one of the principals of the Windbreakers, a Jackson right. band, and then he's had a long solo career, and then with his wife as well. Yeah. Right, and they read it and really liked it a lot, and uh, Tim, and they were like, uh, "Can we put this out?" I was, I was like, yeah, "Of course," because he had put out his own, his book, and they had done well with it and sold a, a, a lot of copies, and um, were interested in a. And putting out more things, a, a lot of focus on um, musicians that are also writers, which, yeah. you know, there seems to be a, these days a lot of people that, um, you know, come out of that world. Because I, there's a lot of um, overlap in the disciplines in a way. But uh, so I, I was extremely lucky and we've worked together on this uh and Tim's a great editor as well, and it, it's worked as an editor for de editor for decades. And uh, Susan is a great graphic designer who does like the Living Blues and a lot of other yeah. things. So um, it, it's been really great to work together, and uh, in a small uh, you know venture. And I think in, in this days you have a lot of these big. Uh, publishers joining up and it's just this massive you know big massive industry and it's kind of like the music industry you could just get lost in the shuffle and then like even if you get into it which is highly unlikely just you know so I think this is like smaller presses this is the time because you can get a lot of things it, it's affordable for a small company because you can get a lot of print-on-demand things. Um, you don't have to print up a thousand books, you know. You don't, So I think, and you can, with social media and, like, uh, and being a musician, you can read and things in different venues uh, than, you know. So I, I think it's a great time, and I'm really excited to work with Tim and Susan. Yeah. And uh, now I also want to thank all the people that read this for me and helped me. I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't wouldn't have 
So by the time you've had like eight or ten readers, at least you know the spelling's good. Right. You know, and the grammar's pretty good. Yeah, so yeah. That, that's, you know, it's nothing worse. You know, so I really appreciate all those people. And, it, and you're going to be out on the promotional trail for this in November. So tell I us am. a little bit about what, what you got planned for that. Well, um, I've got, let's see, first, uh, kind of the, the first coming out of uh, the book, the first reading is that um, Wednesday, November um, 9th at Square Books, 5.30. Um, and Ace is actually going to do a Q&A, helping more. So, uh, And then on Friday, the, November 11th, we're at Turnrow Books, and... Um, I'll be reading, and Tim will be reading from his memoir there, and then we're going to perform afterwards. Oh, great. Mark, his band with Susan, and I'm going to perform solo. Then the, the next day, Saturday, November 11th, we're at Lemuria at noon. In Jackson. In yeah. Jackson, yeah. and uh, please come out to that. And uh, then that afternoon, we're going to T-Bone's Records and Cafe in uh, Hattiesburg, and we're going to read there and uh tim will read and then we're going to perform as well oh great and a tentative um date in Dece december 17th at goner records in memphis right. and uh so it's exciting terrifying yeah like if i have a loud guitar i'm that's totally i'm not that doesn't bother me at all just but. being by yourself with your book is a little yeah, yeah. a little it, different to be on stage with that is. yeah yeah i haven't found the reading voice <laughs> uh, yeah, so that would be a... It's going to be different from the singing voice, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited, very excited about it, though. Uh, I mean, a dream come true to uh, have a reading at Square Books. You know, I've been to so many, and um, just, I, you know, it's the, probably the greatest bookstore around, and uh, and uh, excited for that. And the uh, the. The the label the 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 publisher is called Cool Dog Sounds out That's of Water right. Valley and they've got a website I think it's CoolDogSounds.com. dot com yes sound right yeah so you and can, can pre order the book there as well and uh, um, you can get it at these great bookstores Lemuria and here and uh, or and uh, Square Books and uh, some other places so and there's also a book trailer on there which is interesting is. in that it's Narrated by you and features music by you. That's so it was right. like you it got every bass covered on affordable. that. Affordable. We didn't have to pay a voiceover <laughs> artist or music, or music. So, and uh, yeah, my great friend uh, Bobby Anderson did that. And uh, he's a very talented filmmaker. And uh, so it, it's really been a collaborative effort with so many close friends. And uh, it's kind of like being in a band in a way. So it, it's been uh, really um, just kind of a dream come true, and it, it, you know, uh, a lot of hard work from uh, people that didn't have to help, you know. So, yeah. And, uh, well, congratulations on the book, thank and, you. and thank you for coming. And please go check Tyler out while he's on the road. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners, so if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. 
Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel.